What's up, Whisper Nation? Welcome into another Week 15 matchup preview show. Right here. Here with the Fantasy Whispers, I am Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. And on the mic with me as well is ARC and his nice, is that fur fleece coat he's rocking over there? Pure it's as the driven baby. snow. Yeah, I made it a pure marshmallow. ARC on the mic. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, keep him warm, I see. Yeah, man, keeping warm, keeping sexy, keeping together, man. Oh yeah, we love it. We love it. On the other mic, I got Johnny Game Time Hicks. Johnny, you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny, what's going on? I mean, not not you know you don't have the drip that Austin's got going on, but you're you're still sexy, man. We appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate that. Um, I I'll be honest with you. I'm very comfy right now. I got sweats on underneath here, and uh, I got this comfy blue jacket. Uh, it is wintertime here in Arizona, and by wintertime, I mean it's like 65 degrees outside and overcast, so I'm full on getting, I'm embracing this. This doesn't happen often, okay? So just let me do my thing. Nobody is keeping you from doing your thing. We are going to continue to do our thing here, which is to try and get you ready for Week two of a lot of your fantasy football playoffs, week 15 of the NFL season, and really the stretch run, the final two weeks of the fantasy football season are upon us. You know the drill if you've been listening to us. We're going to go through each and every matchup on the fantasy football slate and really talk about those storylines that affect the players that are going to be in or out of your lineup, uh, discuss all the things that matter when you're making those start-sit decisions. So without further ado, we'll jump into the first game on our schedule today. That is the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Houston Texans in a rematch of this divisional battle. This is a 52.5 point over under with Indy favored by a touchdown at home, uh, partly because of what's, going, what's been going on with Houston. And I think we'll just start with the wide receivers because after Will Fuller left, then we had Brandon Cooks miss time last week. So Austin, with these wide receivers... How, where's your confidence level in the pass catchers? And have, has that been the reason maybe for Deshaun Watson's dip in production as well? Well, that latter question there has a lot of variables that we could talk about. The wide receivers have certainly made an impact, but truth be told, I'd say the Houston wide receiving core has been pretty solid all year long. Obviously, when they had Will Fuller, they were a lot better. They don't have Will Fuller, but the host of options they have behind him can still get the job done. Brandon Cooks would be that lead dog who we expect to have back on the Houston offense this upcoming week. You do got to keep an eye on that, though. He's dealing with a neck injury. He's limited on Wednesday. Make sure you keep monitoring that. If he's out, it's going to be Kiki Cutie. Um, Chad Hansen might get a little bit of work sprinkled in there. Um, if it is Kiki Cutie, you like what he did last week getting that touchdown. You wish you had a little more opportunity that came his way, more than just the three targets, which did catch all of them, but just for 24 yards. Um, Chad Hansen's had a couple of good games, but he was sent back to the practice squad earlier on this Monday. So Brandon Cooks would really be that standout option for you. And he's been a low-key snack, Travis. Hasn't dipped below five targets since week five. Um, and now could be the clear top option. So you'd expect to see those totals continue to rise. Eight out of 11 games, Cooks has been active. He's broken 63 yards, which I think is a notable metric because if you get 63 yards for 16 games, you have over 1,000 yards in the season. He already leads the Houston Texans in red zone targets and catches, 10 targets, 6 catches. And the matchup here against Indianapolis is a middle-of-the-road matchup. It's not easy, but it does have an opportunity to create a nice output for Brandon Cooks. We're hoping Brandon Cooks plays, really, because I think of the effect it'll have on Deshaun Watson. This is not a great matchup. He's coming off a bad matchup against Chicago. 
Um, Indy allows the sixth fewest QB points per game, uh, 17.1. Watson is the overall QB six uh, in fantasy points per game, QB seven in fantasy points per game, QB six on the season. Um, if you look at the matchup against Indianapolis, it was in week 13, this last time. they He had 340 passing yards, but zero touchdowns. That was his only game with zero touchdowns all year. So there's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde when you look at this matchup. It shouldn't be that great of a matchup on paper. But then you look at what Deshaun does. He's he's third in, ten, you know, in explosive pass rate. Uh, and then Indy is allowing the seventh highest explosive pass rate. So there's a little bit of give here. And I think if he has Brandon Cooks healthy, I'd be excited about Deshaun Watson. There's a few guys I'm playing over Deshaun Watson just out of pure upside in his rushing ability. Guys like Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, Josh Allen. Those are the only guys I'm really uh, comfortable with, and you're probably not – you don't have those on your roster just where you drafted them. Um, so I think you're okay with Watson. Just got to temper expectations. This could be a long day. Um, and then if, if Cooks is out, you're really tempering expectations. want to talk about the running backs, uh, Johnny, because David Johnson, what I'm hearing now, is all in for this week. Yeah, he's supposed to be back. Uh, now he, he did not practice today, so continue to keep that monitored. And then you have Duke Johnson, who is also limited in Wednesday's practice with a neck injury. Uh, so this week, it's you know against Indianapolis, not the greatest matchup. But so he'll be more of an RB3 slash flex play for me, while likely sharing touches with Duke Johnson. Uh, Indy's defense has been more vulnerable to the run as of late. But overall this year, they've been one of the better overall defenses of in defenses in the league they are bottom eight in rushing yards per game allowed to opposing uh, opposing running backs and they've given up the third most receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs this season with four so that's why i do think david johnson does have a little bit of sneaky upside uh even though the the matchup might be you know a little bit rough on paper and I'll, I will also say that India is also top 15 in receiving uh, yards to the running back position as well. So look for Deshaun Watson to, to find David Johnson a little bit more in this game. Austin, don't look now, but Phillip Rivers has four straight games of 20 or more fantasy points. Uh, come in here, and you, and you think he's got a shot to win you your week this week. Yeah, keep this train rolling, man. More of what we have seen in the last couple of weeks is what I expect to see coming up ahead in this potential blow-up matchup going up against the Houston Texans ranked number 27 pass defense. Look, Phillip Rivers has had 240, more, 240 yards or more and two or more touchdowns in every game this last month. His weapons are starting to gel, and this is looking like the Rivers of old. You can pretty much bank on 20 to 29 points out of Phillip Rivers. He's not a ceiling play. He never has been, but that floor is consistent, and I think he has an opportunity to touch that ceiling or maybe push past it just a little bit this week given the matchup, Travis. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with T.Y. Hilton, right? In the last three weeks, T.Y. Hilton has over 81 yards. He has a touchdown, uh, one or more touchdowns in every game, one red zone target in each game, 60% of his team's red zone targets in the last three weeks. That's tied with Devontae Adams, 22% target market share over the last three weeks, and 41% of his team's air yard market share. Um, look, in 17 games versus Houston in his career, he averages 8.8 .8 targets, 5.5 receptions, 97 yards, and just over half a touchdown. Yes, we know he was bad uh, early on in this year, but we like him this week. Um, he's reclaimed that alpha role since week 12, 
and you're going to get a lot of Justin Reed, who, or I'm sorry, Justin, you're going to see Justin Reed placed on the IR by Houston, which is a great side sign for T.Y. Hilton, especially with Bradley Roby uh, suspended as well. I think Pittman, or I think T.Y. Hilton's an auto start, and I think you can kind of fade Pittman at this point, who's kind of shown his rookie side, you know, his inconsistencies over the last few weeks. Three straight games under double-digit fantasy points, three straight games under 50 receiving yards, and zero touchdowns in his last three weeks. So as Hilton has emerged, Pittman has taken that back seat, and I think you can start Pittman as such. Or I'm sorry, you start Hilton as such. i got to keep getting that mixed up. That's going to confuse you. Uh, but I do think uh, you know we're fading all three tight ends as well here. They've just kind of been cannibalizing each other uh, in that game. They're, nobody's really getting uh, the upside that this position could get if one guy was the guy. That was the case a lot of this year with the running back core, but Jonathan Taylor has been balling as of uh, as of late, Johnny. Yeah, he really has. Three straight games of 15-plus touches, and two out of three games he's had over 50% of the snap share. So it looks like he's emerging as the true guy. Three straight games of over 90 rushing yards and three straight games of limited passing work. Uh, but what's interesting about the limited passing work is he's seeing about three targets per game, but he continues to be hyper-efficient. He's caught every single one of them. So I do think it's funny that they don't incorporate him a little bit more, but maybe later on and down in his career. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people will ask about Naheem Hines, right? Uh, Naheem Hines is hovering right around 33% of snaps. He's getting about 10 uh, total touches per game. They're also giving about seven or fewer touches to Jordan Wilkins, depending on game script here. So looking at this game script, uh, Houston allowing the fifth most explosive plays to running backs, giving up 137.7 rushing yards per game on average to opposing running backs and allowing... 1.23 touchdowns per game on the ground and 0.8 through the air. So I do think Jordan or uh, Jonathan Taylor is a very great play this week. I think he's going to score a touchdown. He's going to continue to lead you to that fantasy championship. And I do think that Naheem Hines is worth a flex RB3 spot here uh, due to uh, the amount of touches and the matchup. Yeah, the matchup looks really good. Uh, the next matchup not looking so good for the Detroit Lions. They'll be playing the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, uh, and they are underdogs by 8.5 points to the Tennessee Titans in a 51.5 over under. Johnny, I want to start with the Detroit side of the ball and kick it back to you here for DeAndre Swift because he did get back into the game, played about 50% of the snaps last week coming back from that injury. He is now going to get another good matchup in Tennessee. Are you more confident this week, even though the matchup's not as good as Green Bay last week? Are you more confident this week? I actually am more confident this week because we saw him, you know, there were, the big question was last week. We did like the matchup, which made it kind of nice because we got to, you know, see him in a decent matchup and, and he was able to score and, and salvage the day for fantasy, uh, you know, people who roster him. But here's what's great. We saw the fact that DeAndre Swift led this backfield. He got the most touches. He got, uh, you know, the most work in this backfield. And he is in line for a massive workload this week. And I'll tell you why. DeAndre Swift, uh, he, he will get the volume in week 15 against the Titans because there's no Matthew Stafford, no Kenny Galladay, and Deon uh, Aaron, Adrian Peterson, excuse me, Adrian Peterson is dealing with a forearm injury. He did not practice today. So Titans defense is allowing the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs, including 10 rushing touchdowns. 
Nine different backs this season have posted at least 60 rushing yards against the Titans. I think they're going to want to keep the ball away from Derrick Henry, and I, I could see this being a big DeAndre Swift day and, and them really seeing and showing what they have in this rookie. They'll be focusing on the running game because, as you mentioned, Matt Stafford likely to miss, not practicing with his rib injury. That'll force Chase Daniels into a start most likely here. Uh, not really exciting stuff from a fantasy perspective on the quarterback position. And, Austin, what does that mean for the pass catchers for Detroit? Are we going to be able to throw Marvin Jones in our lineup with any confidence given Matt Stafford's inability to play this week? It's a really interesting question, Travis. Marvin Jones would be the wide receiver to earn the most amount of consideration from Detroit. Danny Amendola would be the only other real one to consider, but this is a less appealing wide receiver choice than Marvin Jones. So let's take a look at Marvin Jones here, who since Kenny Galladay went down, Marvin Jones has been the number nine wide receiver on the season. You love to see that. But last week was expecting a pretty good game against the Green Bay Packers. That didn't happen so much. Um, that same stretch since week eight, though, Marvin Jones is looking at eight and a half targets per game. He's got five touchdowns during that stretch. Um, he is a red zone option. And Tennessee gives up the eighth most amounts of points to the wide receiver, which I like. Um, expecting also some shadow coverage from Malcolm Butler, but statistically, he's kind of been their third best cornerback in some metrics with 1.24 yards per route run. And for those who aren't familiar with 1.24 yards per route run it's like if green is good and red is bad we got it's, it's greenish yellow that's what we're looking at it's greenish yellow on this one i'm more more concerned travis by this new quarterback situation and given that jones marvin jones really is not a freak athlete or any you know he's not going to make it happen regardless we're not talking about tyree kill or a julio jones or anybody who has these supreme physicals he needs a lot of pieces to line up and i'm just not convinced that you can bank on it happening this week he is that top option. It's not a horrible matchup, um, but it's not a smash spot for me either. Yeah, I don't think it's a smash spot for Marvin Jones. I actually don't think it's a smash spot for TJ Hawkinson either, but I'd be more inclined to start TJ Hawkinson over Marvin Jones as a locked-in guy. Even in a game where Stafford left, Hawkinson saw his highest target total last week, 11 targets, 6 of 11 for 43 yards and a touchdown. The guy just continues to get it done, and even with Chase Daniels, I actually think you know, I have a little bit of confidence Chase Daniels can at least get it to his tight end, uh, get it to DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, as Johnny was talking about there. From maybe uh, backup quarterback starting to Ryan Tannehill, the franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Johnny, how are we feeling about him in this matchup? Detroit been really bad against opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to throw this out there and just kind of forewarn people of, of maybe what they're getting because on paper it does. It looks like a great matchup. Tennessee, uh, bottom, or sorry, Detroit, bottom seven in points allowed to, or top seven in points allowed to quarterback position this year. But he's only, uh, Ryan Tannehill's only scored over 22 fantasy points twice in the last seven games with AJ Brown banged up. I could, easily seeing them uh you know leaning a lot more on derrick henry in this game we all know and joke about how much the head coach loves getting derrick henry the ball he's really close to being in sight of uh you know the the rushing record and i could honestly see them trying to get him that uh so i could see a quieter day um you know a more floor game from ryan Tannehill than one of those mega games so if i can look elsewhere and stream elsewhere i probably would this week Tannehill gets to throw it to two blooming wide receivers here. One is A.J. Brown, who's obviously a stud. You're locking him into your lineup. He's the wide receiver 10 in standard, wide receiver 16 in PPR. 
He's really increased his target share, too. Seven or more targets in four of his last six games. 87 or more receiving yards in four of his last six games. And in his last 10 games, he's not scored a touchdown in only two of them. So eight out of 10 games where he's at least got a touchdown in. This is an absolute smash spot. Uh, Detroit allowing 26.8 points per game to opposing wide receivers. That's the fifth most. Uh, 197 receiving yards per game is their average that they let up to wide receivers. That's the third highest average. And Detroit starting cornerbacks are all giving up 1.28 yards per route run or more. Uh, so that's all in the green or greenish yellow, as Austin was talking about earlier. And then Corey Davis. We're going to get a lot of questions about Corey Davis because we talked him up a lot last week. He had a, a huge stretch of great games, and he was actually outproducing A.J. Brown coming into last week. Um, and people are going to ask, I think this is a get-right spot for Davis. I think you can double down on putting him in your lineup. Hopefully he didn't dog you too much last week. Obviously went 3 of 3 for 34, 34 yards. But if you look at past that, has double-digit PPR fantasy points in six of his last eight, 65 or more receiving yards in four of his last five games. And I mentioned how bad Detroit is against wide receivers. I would be confident in Corey Davis. Austin, Jonu Smith is the tale of two halves or the tale of two seasons, really, uh, for Jonu Smith. Anything here to get you excited about Jonu Smith coming into this week? Are you excited about him against Detroit? His snap percentage? I mean, his snap percentage has been above 60% in every single game this season, minus the one he left, but that's really it, and snap percentage does not translate to points. He hasn't broken five catches or 40 yards since week five. In my estimation, Jonu Smith is now one of those touchdown-dependent upside tight ends. Um, he's part of a big club, and Austin Hooper is right there waiting for him. So Jonu Smith, it, the upside is there, but this matchup isn't a prime matchup for it. Uh, and Anthony Ferks for the backup tight end. That's a non-starting option for you as well. It's not a bad start, but if you have somebody who's who's gone on a hotter streak, I would really recommend um, pivoting towards them instead of Jonu Smith-Travis. Not a bad start is the understatement of, a, of the year for Derrick Henry, who will be facing yet another green, green matchup here against Detroit. Uh, Godspeed to anyone who plays against Derrick Henry this week the minnesota vikings will host the chicago bears in our next matchup it's a 46 point over under minnesota favored by three at home i am excited to just i'm just going to go ahead and jump into this dave montgomery has been stellar over the last three weeks three straight weeks of plus matchups he's had three straight weeks of 20 or more ppr fantasy points we just talked about derrick henry how good he is only derrick henry has scored more points in the last three weeks than David Montgomery, who's averaging 7.9 yards per carry, and he's had three touchdowns over these last three weeks. So really great, uh, really great, you know, uh, momentum for Montgomery coming into this game. Minnesota is in the bottom half of the NFL against fantasy running backs. They allow the 14th fewest points to this position, but they've allowed three straight weeks of double-digit PPR fantasy points to Mike Davis, James Robinson, and Ronald Jones. So I'm feeling confident to keep rolling with Montgomery. And you guys know how this works. Sometimes there's a back who gets hot, and then he stays hot. And you just want to kind of roll with the Flames. Even if the matchup gets a little bit tougher, he's not going to get a cake matchup like he had against Green Bay or, or you know, uh, Houston last week. But I think Montgomery belongs in your lineup, and he got you here this far. So I would go ahead and roll with that. I want to talk about the signal caller. Because since Trubisky's been in there, that's been really great for uh, David Montgomery. Anything there working for Mitchell Trubisky for you? He's, he's kind of looking like his old self, Austin. Yeah, right. Since being reinserted into the starting lineup, Trubisky has delivered for his fantasy managers with totals of 776 yards and seven touchdowns over the last three games. That's 250 yards in a third per game and two touchdowns in a third 
per game as well. That's pretty nice. And Minnesota is a middle-of-the-road matchup here, giving up the 19th most points to the quarterback. It's a divisional game, which to me means throw a lot of these rules out the window, let some magic happen. And Mitch Trubisky, to me, is a nice upside start this week in a divisional showdown where he's coming off a nice stretch of three games, Travis. And that's because he's got Allen Robinson and a couple other pieces in the passing game, uh, Johnny. So Allen Robinson obviously locked into your lineup. Anything else beyond him that you're interested in? Not really anything beyond him. I know that, you know, Minnesota is a very nice matchup. They're giving up 179.8 receiving yards per game to opposing wide receivers. So that is quite a nice number. Uh, but they're And they're also uh, giving up the most touchdowns, sorry, the second most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this uh, year with 20. So I, I do think this is a great matchup, but I think you're getting a little too cute if you try going Darnell Mooney or Anthony Miller. Darnell Mooney has some interesting upside. I think next year we'll be talking about him more as a, a flyer uh, if he gets a better quarterback in there. But just too little volume for both him and Anthony Miller to say, hey, he's, they're worth a trust in this in this game, even though the matchup is nice. But Allen Robinson, just real quick, just to touch on how great he's been. Nine plus targets in four out of five games. He's only failed to record at least 70 receiving yards one time in the last seven games. And that game was against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it was. Uh, but he in that game, he saw nine targets, uh, six completions for 43 yards. That might not, you know, wow you or anything, but I'll give you, a, I'll give you a little added bonus here. That time when they played Minnesota, yeah, Nick Foles was playing on that that game. The difference is Mitch Trubisky's playing in this game. Wow, uh, <laughs> what a world we're in when uh, Mitch Trubisky's this giant upgrade to Nick <laughs> Foles. Uh, I mean, it. it uh, not to give you a bunch of crap. I mean, Allen Robinson, obviously, wide receiver seven last year with Mitch Trubisky in the lineup. So we know that he loves Allen Robinson and he will eat either way. Uh, Austin, the, the Bears seem to have been making a concerted effort to get their new rookie tight end involved over the last few weeks. And much to the chagrin of Jimmy Graham, who seems to be completely touchdown dependent. How are you looking at the tight end position? Any worth, uh, any, any worthwhile streaming Cole Komet this week? Cole Komet would be the considered tight end start over Jimmy Graham, who has been relegated to a touchdown-dependent clunker. That's the way I would put him. Uh, Cole Komet, though, during Trubisky's three-week run most recently, has had 17 targets combined and a snap percentage above 75% in every game he's played. He hasn't broken 50 yards yet, but the rookie has something going for him, Travis. I'm not feeling great about it this week. You still do have Jimmy Graham in the picture. There's probably a better start at the tight end position available on your waiver if you don't have one on your active roster. But keep in mind for him for next year, Cole Komet might have something really working for him. Uh, somebody to think, keep in mind for maybe the number one overall pick next year is Dalvin Cook on the Minnesota side of the ball. Austin... You, you wrote this on the sheet. I just want to, I don't know if you're messing with me. Is there any world, there's a bad matchup, but even in a bad matchup last week, Dalvin Cook did well against Tampa. Any world you're benching Dalvin Cook this week? No, Dalvin Cook is as sure a thing as hearing a sketchy comment from your drunk uncle this holiday season. Let him ride. Hey, we're going to see both. Touchdowns from Dalvin and, and some sketchy comments from your drunk uncle. <laughs> Gotta love the drunkle. Johnny, the other you know talent in, in Minnesota resides in that wide receiving core. Uh, they've got two studs over there. So how are we feeling about them in this matchup? Chicago been pretty good against wide receivers. How are you feeling this week? Yeah, bottom four in points allowed to the wide receiver position. 
And listen, I know a lot of people that were upset. Uh, you know, we recommended Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen last week and what looked to be a great matchup against Tampa Bay, and they majorly disappointed, and I get that. But I want to let you know that get back in the saddle. I'm doubling down on these two wide receivers for this week, even though it is against a difficult matchup of Chicago. Uh, you know, Adam Thielen last week, he saw the lowest amount of targets since week eight and four. Uh, you're looking at Chicago. Yes, he should be. Uh, he should get fuller against him, but I'll mind you, the last time these two uh, the, these two teams met up, Adam Thielen did score two touchdowns on him. Not saying, you know, we always like to say that touchdowns are fluky, so I'm not saying he'll have that again this, this week. But Adam Thielen is a wide receiver that you need to get in your lineup because he's probably gotten you this far, and he has that wide receiver one upside, even, even if he has a difficult matchup. Then you're looking at Justin Jefferson. This guy's completely insane at what he's doing as a rookie. Uh, you look at what he did last week, a team, a team high, 21.6% target market share. Uh, he's also finished with his fewest receiving yards since week eight last week. Uh, but I do think he'll bounce back, and he should be trusted as a wide receiver too in Week 15 against the Bears. They've been a little bit more uh, flexible and giving up a little bit more yardage than they were in the beginning of the season to wide receivers over the last few weeks. Yeah, I wanted you talked about getting those wide receivers in your lineup. I really want to try and get Irv Smith in my lineup this week. Obviously, uh, Kyle Rudolph not practicing with the foot issue last week without Rudolph in the lineup. Irv Smith went four for four for 63 and a touchdown. We talked about coming into the season how athletic Irv Smith was, the build, the seam stretcher, uh, and his potential breakout this year. And then you look at the matchup, it's just great. Only four teams give up more points to the tight end. Uh, Chicago giving up 9.9 .9 points per game on average and nine touchdowns. That's the second most given up to tight ends this season. And I think based on what we've said with these pass catchers, even with Dalvin Cook, I'm okay with Kirk Cousins and what looks like a bad matchup. He had a lat down last week. Tampa Bay, uh, you know, he definitely did not get it done against them, but he had 21 more or more fancy points and three touchdowns and three straight before that. And only one interception, even with that bad game last week in his last four games. So he's making the right decisions. You look at Chicago, Johnny, you alluded to it. Chicago's not a top five defense against QBs anymore. Chicago's giving up now the 11th fewest points. So not a huge difference, but definitely not as locked down as they used to be. And 16.9 points per game to the uh, quarterback. We talked about this matchup earlier in the year. Cousins actually dropped 18 against Chicago in week 10 in a tough matchup. And then you look at what Rodgers and Stafford has done recently to Chicago, holding multi-touchdown games against them. So I actually think there's a spot here for Cousins to get a little bit done. Uh, the over-under is not that low for a defensive battle, 46 points. Um, there's, some, there's some room here for Kirk Cousins to make your streaming radar this week. Our next game on the slate is the Washington football team hosting the Seattle Seahawks in Washington. This is a 43.5 over under with Seattle favored by five on the road. Austin, if we're looking at the, you know, a passing attack for the, the Seattle Seahawks, it starts with those wide receivers. But this is one of their tougher tests on the slate in Washington, whose defense has just been playing lights out this year. Yeah, it really has been, right? And the whole Seattle Seahawks 
have been this tale of two different Russell Wilsons, right? And that has impacted a lot of other players outside of just Russell Wilson himself. And I think that's the most interesting area to look at when we're talking about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who started off the year just on this world bender pace. In weeks one through nine, DK Metcalf was the wide receiver number two. Tyler Lockett was the wide receiver number five. During that stretch, Russell Wilson was the quarterback number three, just behind Patrick Mahomes. And um, I can't remember, another amazing quarterback right there. But so number three quarterback right there for Russell Wilson during weeks one through nine. If we look at that second half of weeks 10 through 14, Russell Wilson has been the quarterback number 17. From number three to quarterback 17, which is like a stream-worthy quarterback. You know, you play the matchup based. So looking at how that impacts the wide receivers, Tyler Lockett fell from the number five-ranked wide receiver to wide receiver number 31. DK Metcalf, though, went from the wide receiver number two to just the wide receiver number 11. So he went from an elite top three option to a wide receiver one, as where Tyler Lockett went from like a, you know, a very solid wide receiver one out pushing wide receiver three flex category. So DK Metcalf to me has emerged as this top option. There's a lot of talk at the beginning of the year of who it was going to be. It's DK Metcalf. That's the wide receiver to roll with forward. And I'm not concerned about DK Metcalf no matter what is going on. I don't care who is guarding him. We watched Stefan Gilmore try to blanket DK Metcalf, and DK Metcalf threw him around, burned him, just embarrassed him left and right. And there really is no cornerback who can outpower DK Metcalf with the versatility he has. Tyler Lockett is someone that you need to keep a little bit more of an eye on. And this week he's going up against Jimmy Moreland, who lets up just 1.06 yards per route run on the scale of green to red. This is a little bit more orange than it is yellow. So temper expectations for Tyler Lockett this week, Travis. You're a brave man, Austin. I've been trying to do the which game is a Tyler Lockett game game for the last five weeks, and I have not been able to do it. So, uh, look, I, I feel bad for those rostering Tyler Lockett, including me in, in several PPR leagues, uh, just because he has done the disappearing act, as, as you alluded to, and that is behind, as you also astutely said, the Russell Wilson, Jekyll and Hyde game that he's been playing himself. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of flack for saying, Russ, you know, Russ has been bad, but he has been bad. And you have he played uh, played the Jets last week, bounce back game, four touchdowns, and so it's asking you, you know, is it dangerous? You know, is he back now? And I think it's more danger than Russ in this week because <laughs> Washington football team is allowing the ninth fewest quarterback points per game, and they've sacked the QB the fifth most times of any team, like thirty nine sacks on the year. We see that when you pressure Russell Wilson, he can make mistakes. I think you got to temper expectations. You're obviously starting Wilson. The upside is through the roof. You can't bench him. The low over-under has me a little scared. I will say 40 or more rushing yards in three of his last five games gives me a little bit of hope for that. Um, but I just wanted to make a little bit of a comment on, on Russ Wilson there. Johnny, we got to talk about Chris Carson, who's been back and doing his thing, you know, running hard and, and getting fantasy points for those that uh, put him on their roster. Yeah, doing the doing exactly what people who drafted him expected him to do over the past two games. He's churned out 208 yards from scrimmage and two total touchdowns on about 18 touches per game on average. Uh, and then you look at what Carlos Hyde, he's been more of splitting the workload, uh, you know, being like a change of pace running back. Now, last week, Carlos Hyde did get equal amount of carries as Chris Carson. But if you watch that game, 
they basically sat all the starters the entire fourth quarter because it was that out of hand. Now, this matchup is not the greatest. Bottom uh, Washington, bottom seven in points allowed to the running back position. They're only allowing just 83.5 rushing yards per game uh, to opposing running backs. So you're going to roll out Chris Carson, but usually I would say Chris Carson is an RB1 uh, every single week in, in, in matchups. Uh, I, this week I do think he's more of a middle-of-the-road RB2 uh, because of the matchup. On the other side of the ball, we have the Washington football team. We're going to have a little situation here to monitor with Alex Smith, whose calf is bothering him. He's not practicing. Um, this is a great matchup for Alex Smith. Not that you'd be really starting him either way, maybe in anything more than a two-quarterback league. But Austin, we got to talk about one of his top pass catchers because we have the issue with Terry McLaurin kind of dipping in production, and also uh, he may have to go back to Dwayne Haskins this week. So where are you at uh, with Terry McLaurin and your outlook for this week? Yeah, you talk about that dip in production. 38 yards, four catches combined the last two weeks. Eee, you don't like to see yeah. that. This is concerning, but you have to be looking at this one through a health perspective as there are not any other real variables that could be contributing to this, given he's had a lot of success with Alex Smith. Weeks 9 through 12, all quarterback by Alex Smith. Terry McLaurin's the wide receiver number 8, averaging 14.6 fantasy points per game. Now, it could be Alex Smith this week, and it could be Dwayne Haskins, who was Terry McLaurin's quarterback in college. That chemistry exists. I'm not concerned about it at all. It, We've seen Terry McLaurin go off with multiple quarterbacks. It really has to be uh, a health issue that could be going on. Um, this week, though, despite the last two weeks of struggles, you start him because they're going up against the Seahawks, who've given up the third most amount of points to the wide receiver position. If Terry McLaurin disappoints after this, search for your soul. Encourage Terry McLaurin to do the same. But that's a question for next week. This week, you got to start him, and you don't feel bad about it, even if Terry McLaurin does give you a clunker, Travis. Yeah, just something for a little bit of confidence. I mean, he played Pittsburgh and San Francisco. Those are two great secondaries that he played over the last two weeks. So could explain a little bit of what they were doing. And if those two secondaries that are good know that Terry McLaurin's the main weapon in Washington, they're going to do what they can to slow him down. This is not the case in Seattle. It is not a great secondary. We've talked about that all year. Uh, Johnny, Logan Thomas is a guy that also helps this passing attack move forward. And he, like Terry McLaurin, has played a little bit with Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith. Are you as confident in Terry as you are in Logan Thomas, given the peripheral numbers? I am, uh, because I think that even if ha Haskins does start, which I, I do think that that's where it'll end up being, uh, you've seen what Logan Thomas has done underneath uh, Dwayne Haskins early in the season. He saw seven or more targets in three out of four games with Haskins. So I actually don't mind the play either way if Haskins or Alex Smith plays. Uh, I, the matchup is a little bit difficult. Bottom 12 in points allowed to the tight end position is Seattle. However, we know the tight end landscape is is mighty dry uh, like the desert out here in Arizona. And so Logan Thomas is, you know, a little bit of, uh, of that water in the cactus, right? He's the cactus. Doesn't seem to be like it's, you know, it's just out there in the desert. Doesn't seem to be, you know, doing much. But little do you know, there's some water in there. And I think you can drink from that cactus. Get that water from Logan Thomas. This to be week. clear, uh, Johnny is telling you to start Logan Thomas, not drink from your neighborhood cactus. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to have that disclaimer out that somebody's drinking. I don't think you can me. actually drink water from a cactus. <laughs> yeah, I, think yeah I, just, I, I hope not. No, I'm pretty I sure hope, you can. I hope. 
I know cartoons tell you that you can. No, no, no. I'm serious. She, no. I have a lot more quicksand in my life than I actually did. No, no, no. Okay. Cacti hold a lot of water in them. You can, you can actually do that. You can drink from cacti. All right. Well, on this uh, also episode of National Geographic, we'll move on here. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh, J.D. McKissick before we move on. Uh, he's been the RB25 in PPR formats. We obviously know that um, Antonio Gibson has the toe issue, not practicing. Peyton Barber also left last week with an ankle injury. Um, and his highest, you know, Peyton Barber's highest yardage total was 57 yards. So really not even a factor, even if he were to start. We look at what's going on with J.D. McKissick with Gibson out. Back-to-back weeks with 65% or more snap share. Only two catches in the passing game last week, but he had his season-high 11 carries and averaged 6.8 yards per carry. So I really like uh, what I'm seeing out of J.D. McKissick, especially with Gibson out. Uh, And this is a top-10 defense for Seattle that was against the run early in the year. But since these struggles have kind of happened with Russell Wilson, this defense is actually giving up a lot more uh, points per game to the running backs, 15th most now. And Seattle has allowed the 7th most receiving yards per game to running backs. So a lot of room for J.D. McKissick to work here. I kind of think he's a must-start, depending on what you've got going on, and especially in PPR formats. All right, our next game on the slate is the Miami Dolphins and Tua the rookie hosting Bill Belichick, the emperor himself and the new England Patriots down in Miami. This is 41.5 over under Miami favorite, just under uh, a field goal here. So even with all the struggles that new England has been going through and all the success that Miami had, I mean, they pushed Kansas city to the limit pretty much last week. Vegas still thinks new England should handle uh, Miami or at least give them uh, a really close game. When we look at New England side of the ball, there's really not much to look at uh, fantasy football-wise. I will start with the best thing that I think is possible to get out there and start, and that's the running back core. And so, Austin, show us the light, man. What is available out there, and what are you confident in? I expect Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, and James White to all have some number above zero on their snap percentage, but this is not a recommended situation. Um, We'll start there with the latter of the three, James White, who we know has been a pass-catching specialist during the whole Tom Brady era, at least the last several years, um, has a total of two receiving yards the last three weeks combined for James White and 34 yards on the ground to go along with that. I'm not feeling good about James White in my roster. I'd feel great about him in my opponent's roster, though. But you don't have any influence on that. So Sony Michelle, he's the other running back besides Damian Harris, who we expect to get some work on the ground. Um, but Sony Michelle, minus that one weird game week three before he hit the IR, Sony Michelle has not touched 3.8 yards per carry or more in a single game. Um, James White, for context, has done better than that three times this season long. So um, James White has been a more efficient runner on the ground than Sony Michelle has. But Damian Harris is the true top dog from a running back perspective. 10 plus touches over the last two months. He's been the number 16 running back over that same stretch, averaging a very healthy 5.0 yards per carry. I don't love the matchup though, Travis. The Dolphins give up the ninth fewest points to the running back position. Look, Harris is the back to start, but if you have another option, I hope you do. Um, I would lean on there because Damian Harris's ceiling is going to be severely capped based on those other running backs, Cam Newton's propensity to run it in, and Bill Belichick's overall trickery. So good luck. Yeah, good luck is pretty much what you say to anyone who rosters anybody from New England at this point in the year. Cam Newton experiment has not been good, and I'll just start there with Cam Newton, who's had one game over 20 fantasy points in his last five. He has three passing touchdowns 
in his last 10 games. Uh, just not very good. Miami is the seventh worst matchup for enemy quarterbacks. They only give up 16.3 points per game. Only Pittsburgh has picked off more quarterbacks this year than Miami. So Cam Newton not in a good spot here, and that would mean Johnny, by process of elimination, his pass catchers are probably not in a good spot either. Oh, they're in a great spot. Uh, the top, you look at this matchup, Miami, top 12 in points allowed to the wide receiver position. Uh, you like the matchup. You know, they, they don't give up a lot of touchdowns to the wide receiver position. But you don't like the pass catchers for Cam Newton at all. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't I would look elsewhere. Don't look at Nikhil Harry. He's only seen four or more targets one time since week four. Jacoby Myers, who we, you know, had that pop-off week. Uh, well, since week 10, he's only had uh, over 51 air yards one time. So, uh, yeah, just I'll, I'll keep pass. I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, Tua is going to pass to his pass catchers in Miami, but a lot of them banged up here. Johnny, anything to see over there in the pass catchers for the Miami Dolphins? Lynn Bowden was a popular waiver ad. A lot of leagues have him as a dual designation, so that obviously helps. How are you feeling uh, about Lynn Bowden this week or, or Devontae Packer? Or Devontae Parker, should he be able to go? Well, I don't think Devontae Packer's going, and I don't think uh, Devontae Parker's going to play either uh, this week. But uh, looking at the matchup, bottom five and points allowed to the wide receiver position, and New that's New England's defense, right? They're, they are kind of sneaky good uh, for fantasy purposes. But I will say that if you did pick up Lynn Bowden, and you have the designation. There are a lot of injuries and, and COVID designations that have come up over the last uh, few days for the wide receiver position. I do believe it is a sneaky, it's a sneaky play here, but I do think Lynn Bowden is a nice play because he played 71% of snaps last week and no other pass catchers seem to be, be able to be able to play in this game. I don't think Parker plays. I don't think Jacecki ends up going. And then you look at what Bowden's done, nine targets in, in week 14. He played the mass, vast majority of those snaps in the wide receiver position. Uh, he could see Jonathan Jones, who's been given up point. Three nine fantasy points per route ran, which is the most uh, for New England. So it's actually a sneaky good uh, play to play Lynn Bowden this week if you need the help. Sneaky good was what Tua was last week against Kansas City, Austin. Are you feeling about rolling him out there again? Like maybe against, uh, we've seen what Bill's done against rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't love this matchup. I love what we saw the rookie do last week in that high-paced game against Kansas City where Tua put down 316 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, rushed for 24 more yards, and grabbed you another touchdown on the ground. But look, Travis, the Patriots give up the third-fewest points to the quarterback position, and Vegas stats this as a slow-moving game at 41.5 points over under. We saw Tua stretch his ceiling out last week. I don't think he gets close to that new ceiling this week moving ahead. Somebody who's kind of been hitting his ceiling lately is Mike Kosecki. Uh, maybe the most reliable and exciting option for the Dolphins this week, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, he's dealing with the shoulder injury. He's been limited, uh, but he's been getting in those practice reps. Five or more targets in five straight games. Three straight games with double-digit PPR fantasy points and two touchdowns last week and three straight games of scores. So really like Gusecki, he's been turning it on lately. This is going to be a huge test. So New England allows the third fewest points per game to tight ends, five. 
only five points per game only uh bill uh usually shuts down your best weapon weapon and option and so that's scary but i think kaseki's upside and his production lately means he's locked in your lineup plus tight end situation that we talk about all the time Austin, i'm going to kick it back to you for these running backs because uh, it's Every time we get one, we know they're going to get usage. Um, we'd like to see Gaskins back, but he got positive for COVID, so that's not going to happen. Uh, we saw Salvin Ahmed get involved, but then also get hurt. Uh, DeAndre Washington last week. What's going on over there, and who can we start, if any? I, Travis, would not be looking to start any one of these running backs. Um, as you put it, Gaskins, COVID. DeAndre Washington emerged last week as the only healthy running back. He took that grand opportunity, 13 carries for an Impressive 35 yards. Deep sarcasm. Uh, caught all four of his targets for 17 yards in a pretty high-paced game. You'd like to see more production than that, given all of the output the Dolphins had. Um, I'm not liking what DeAndre Washington's ceiling projects, and that's when he's the only starting running back available, which I don't think is going to be the exact same situation this week. Salvin Ahmed was limited at practice on Thursday. But his last couple of games where he's been active is a 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, he's bottom of the barrel in elusive ranking. Uh, and which brings me to their other option, potentially in Matt Breda. Uh, he's got the highest elusive ranking over Ahmed and Washington, but he hasn't broken 40 yards on the ground or through the air all season long. Uh, the way I'm looking at any one of these wide receivers, these running backs is simply from a beta level. It's it's. If you're a running back in the NFL and you're given the rock, you're going to get forward, but nobody is doing anything more than a very basic level, what you'd expect from like a mannequin template running back of 50 overall in Madden. It's, it's not looking pretty, and there's a lot of competition, Travis. From basic level running back production to below basic level NFL team production, the Jacksonville Jaguars will travel to play the Baltimore Ravens uh, in a 46-point over-under, Baltimore favored by... 13 points. Um, Jacksonville just really giving us no reason to believe they can do anything, especially against a strong defense like Baltimore. We've got to start with Jacksonville side of the ball because they are an NFL team, believe it or not. So we will start with the guy who makes it all tick, Austin. That's James Robinson. The boss. <laughs> <laughs> the only boss they have. The only boss they have. Uh, look, he's not dipped below 10 fantasy points since week five, double-digit carries in every single game this season. He's the running back number four in PPR, in standard. Um, week six, he had 53 combined yards. That was his lowest of the entire season. He still grabbed you a touchdown that week. But this week here going up against Baltimore, it sounds more scary than it actually projects given it's an oddly middle-of-the-road rush defense for the Ravens. They have just given up the 12th fewest points to the running back position and ranked number 19 in rush defense. So there's some real opportunity for James Robinson to do what he does, Travis. Any opportunity, Johnny, for Gardner Minshew to do what he used to do? But throw picks, yeah, he'll have a lot of opportunity to do that. Uh, overthrow DJ Chark, yeah, he'll have a lot of opportunity to do that because uh, they'll be down in this game, and uh, I don't expect anything of it. Gardner Minshew, he'll be a weak QB2 option for those in Superflex leagues in a tough matchup this week. Man, Minshew mania used to be a thing. It's kind of wild. Uh, DJ Shark, I'll just talk a little bit about how you could probably get yourself to think that you should start him. Uh, seven or more targets in six of his last seven games. 
He's going to get Minshew back. Yes, he was having an issue overthrowing him, but this is the quarterback on the roster with the most chemistry with DJ Shark. Um, the problem is DJ Shark is at five straight weeks below 10 PPR fantasy points. And the biggest problem is he's going to be locked up with Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy Smith is allowing a ridiculously low 0.37 yards per route run. You know, Austin was talking about yellow, uh, green, the things that are good in yards per route run. Deep red, almost purple, is what you get when you get Jimmy Smith against you. Uh, I am fading DJ Shark, uh, and I don't think there's anybody really outside of the outside of James Robinson you could start. You know, Lavisca Chenault was flashing some brilliance over the last couple of weeks, but he's had six straight games under 50 receiving yards, so he's lived off of touchdowns when he has done it. There's no way you're going to put him in your lineup here. Let's talk about the actual good players in this matchup, and that would be on the Baltimore Ravens side of the football, Austin. I want to start with backfield because it's been the highest talked about thing in Baltimore this entire season. We wanted to know who it was. It does seem like the Ravens are finally giving it to two guys, J.K. Yeah. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. How are we feeling about them? This is a smash spot. 13-point favorites Baltimore is in this game, which means there should be a lot of running game work. Yeah, and I think you can feel comfortable starting both of these running backs with J.K. Dobbins being the lead and Gus Edwards being a high caliber touchdown vulture, if you will, or, or the, the goal line back. Mark Ingram has become a non-factor in the last four active games. He's got 35 yards combined on 13 touches combined. He's done. Um, so sorry about that if you took him in the third or fourth round. But J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they're looking really good right now. We'll start with the less impressive of the two with Gus Edwards, who is that goal line back for Baltimore. Um, he's been pretty fine in almost all the capacities, but nine or fewer touches in those last five weeks, further cementing this goal line role for him. Um, in that same stretch, Dobbins is averaging 13 or more carries uh, in his last three starts. J.K. Dobbins' snap percentage has also been trending up with 62% last week. He's been hands down their most efficient runner. 50 or more yards and a touchdown in his last three games. And his ceiling, though, is limited due to the lack of pass work. It's really surprising how many, how few passes have gone his way. I don't think he's had like any in the last couple of games. Um, and the other running backs that are still involved, Gus Edwards is still there. And I'm not surprised if Mark Ingram pops up and gets five touches, which would really do a lot for J.K. Dobbins' overall fantasy output. Um, given that the Jaguars give up the fifth most amount of points to the running back position and Vegas has the Baltimore Ravens heavily favored in this, I think that J.K. Dobbins could break 100 yards. Uh, and Gus Edwards, he got you two touchdowns on the goal line last week. I'm not shocked if he does that again. I hope a little bit goes to J.K. Dobbins, though. He definitely deserves that. And I know that uh, fantasy managers would love to see an extra touchdown over there. But it is Gus Edwards' role. Um, but J.K. Dobbins is that between the 20s. A running back and he's looked great he should get more work even than he's gotten recently great breakdown of the running backs there so from their second and third best running backs we'll go to their first best running back lamar jackson johnny why don't you tell us how lamar jackson looks to attack this jacksonville defense well they he will do that he'll run uh jacksonville giving up 248 rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks this year uh, three out of four games uh lamar jackson has tw has had 25 or more fantasy points now, during that, if you look closer into that map, you know, you dive a little deeper, uh, you can check out 
that over that span, he's been running the ball on average 11 times for 92 yards. Well, if you look at his first nine games when he was kind of not the Lamar we thought we drafted, uh, he wasn't the running back we thought we were getting in that first or second round. Uh, well, that was because he was only run, uh, running on average for 58 yards per game. So you're he's tremendously uh, increasing his his uh, upside because in his floor because he's running for almost 100 yards per game and, and then he's passing because uh these his defense isn't nearly as good as it was in the beginning of the season so you're starting to see a, a little bit of that upside that you saw last year i don't know if we're quite there but i do think lamar jackson is starting to get back to uh being one of the top eight uh top six options on a weekly basis again He's back to QB 10, even with the missed games. Uh, and so you like that, and you like what he's doing for his pass catchers. Marquise Brown, three straight games with 13 or more PPR fantasy points, three straight games with touchdowns. You look at what Jacksonville is allowing to wide receivers. They are allowing 26.3 points per game to the position. That's sixth most among all defenses. And they've given up the fifth most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers at 15. So very fine with Marquise Brown in your flex, your wide receiver three spot with that upside. Uh, there and I love Mark Andrews in this spot as well six or more targets in three straight games for the tight end 60 or more receiving yards in three straight double digit PPR fantasy points in three straight games and then Jacksonville a top six matchup uh, for your tight end 9.6 point per game allowed and 10 receiving touchdowns that's second to only the New York dismal football Jets uh, you love what you see there so fire up Mark Andrews Marquise Brown all right, our next game on the slate is another divisional battle down in Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons will take on Tampa Bay in the fifth highest over-under. It's a 51-point over-under. Tampa Bay favored by five and a half on the road. Want to start off here uh, on the Tampa Bay side of the ball, and we've got to start with the running back position because after you know a really strong season, looks like Ronald Jones and his fantasy GMs will be without him this week and maybe further. Yeah, it was just when he was starting to get hot. Uh, you know, Ronald Jones truthers were all excited because you had the good news that B.A. came out and said, well, Ronald Jones deserves 20 uh, running back touches per game. And the clear truth is, no, he doesn't because he breaks down when that happens and he broke a finger. And that was the original reason why it was, oh, he might not play this game. Oh, oh, uh, what? I'm being, I'm being honest with you. Uh, All right. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, um, and then he gets COVID because he, I don't know, probably uh, was drinking because he knew he was going to lose his, uh, his job to Uncle Lenny when Uncle Lenny stepped in for him. I know. <laughs> I, I, is, he's getting too many Johnny, touches. That's why he got Johnny. COVID. Johnny no, comes in like Alex Jones and the information, the misinformation here. You could drink out of cactuses. You could. No, I'm <laughs> he, got, he got Ronald Jones drinking on the side. What is going yeah, on? Yeah, because here? he's he knows his job's about to be done, so he was partying with some people and saying, "Hey, my career's over." And they had COVID. That's what you get. Hey, and but now he gets all these touches, and then he gets COVID. Ipso facto, connect the dots. do not yeah. give him any more touches because he gets COVID. All yeah, right, that's yeah, what happens. Exactly. Hey, you never know. No, I'm with all jokes aside. Uh, for this week, uh, I do think that Uncle Lenny is a, is a smash start. Um, look, I understand that uh, the Atlanta Falcons aren't the great. Surprisingly, they're not the best matchup against the run. They're actually pretty stout against the run, allowing the second fewest rushing yards to opposing running backs. 
but they do give up the ninth most targets to opposing running backs. And that's something we know that Leonard Fournette is actually pretty decent at, or at least he was before Tom Brady started throwing him the ball. Uh, but Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette uh, is going to be the starter this week, according to BA. And he's seen four games with five or more targets this season. So it could be another heavy targeted uh, game for Leonard Fournette. And then, you know, LaShawn McCoy will be sprinkled in as a change of pace and he'll probably get a couple targets, but I don't see him uh, heavily impeding into uh, Leonard Fournette's workload this week. Part of, you know, Johnny's misinformation uh, campaign there was saying that Tom Brady's not good at throwing the ball to Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady is the QB8, though, in fantasy football in most formats, despite his inability to throw the ball to Leonard Fournette. Uh, two or more touchdowns in four straight games, and now he's going to get the best matchup of the year in Week 15. No team allowing more points per game to quarterbacks than Atlanta's 23.1 points per game and 26 touchdowns allowed to QBs. That's the third most. If you were looking for something to kind of get you fired up to fi uh, you know, fire up Brady this week, I think this is it. And that is behind all those wide receivers he's got, Austin. Yeah, with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. Um, where I would be ranking it, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. And, and here's why here, starting there with the bottom. Antonio Brown is likely going to be that fourth option for Tom Brady behind the two other wide receivers and Rob Gronkowski. You'd love to have him in your flex because of the upside he brings, but he's in your flex because he has no floor. Um, his role on that team is going to make it difficult to predict. I do expect things to go as planned for them this week here going up against Atlanta, who doesn't have a great defense. But again, if it does go as planned, Antonio Brown is not going to be the lead dog here. Um, Tampa, Antonio Brown, like, like I said, he's a flex option here in the last five games played with Tampa this season. Um, he's seen at least five targets and in four of those games, uh, at least 49 yards overall. Uh, but he's going to have to compete with all those other options here and Chris Godwin jumps out um, who leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in snap percentage and in the last four games has only one single digit fantasy output but that was last week and uh, what did you do for me lately it was a disappointment he hasn't broken 100 yards all season long I don't see that continuing given how many other options there are and number one for Tom Brady is Mike Evans in the past month Mike Evans has seen at least five targets and 49 yards along with getting four total touchdowns the Falcons give up the second most amount of fantasy points to wide receivers so Evans is a really solid start but just keep in mind he hasn't broken 80 yards since week four he does have a really good shot at getting in the end zone though where he leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in red zone targets at 20. Um, number two for wide receivers is Chris Godwin just with six Gronkowski's at 17. Um, and like we said, the Falcons give a lot of points to wide receivers. So I'm really feeling good about all of these ones. But because of how many there are, all of their ceilings get capped. You got strong wide receiver two at best here in Mike Evans. Um, and it goes down from there for me, Travis. I think that's a great way to do it. I mean, or talk about it. I mean, that's Johnny had talked about this a little last week, how they are, are all eating into each other's ceiling. And that continues to be the case. Um, Brady just doesn't seem to have the ability to get one guy a monster game. Um, and they're just doing what they can to build chemistry and win football games at this point, since they all have not played together that much. Somebody who has played with Brady a bunch is Rob Gronkowski, who's probably been the most consistent of the pass catchers this year. He, he did have his lowest targeted game last year, only or last week, only two. Uh, but he still came down with a touchdown and made his fantasy day. Six or more targets in six of his last nine games. He's the tight end eight in standard and the tight end 10 in PPR. And then he's going to get this top five matchup. Uh, Atlanta allowing 9.7 points per game to the tight end. So you love that for Gronk. On the other side of the ball, 
Johnny, the pass catchers for Atlanta start with Julio, who is banged up. Anything outside of Julio? Do you have a sense if Julio will go? He's been kind of in and out with that hamstring all year. Uh, I don't think uh, Julio goes, but uh, Austin, have you do you have you heard anything yeah, yeah, on yeah. this? Yeah, I, I'd love to jump in here and talk about this. I know, John, you're going to touch on some of Hayden Hurst's impact with this. Um, Julio Jones, if he does go down, which it's looking like he's not going to be playing given he hasn't practiced yet this week um, with that hamstring injury, this opens up some more opportunity for Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Calvin Ridley is a very good start with Julio Jones going down. Um, since the team's week 10 by Calvin Ridley has notched 24 catches on 40 targets for 372 yards and two touchdowns. Over the last four games, he's the number seven wide receiver during that stretch, and I don't see that slowing down. Fire him up with confidence. Russell Gage is the one who has a little bit more consideration, and I am wondering if Johnny might have an extra tidbit on this one here, as I'd heard him whisper something to Philly Chelsea yesterday. But I'm loving the opportunities ahead overall for Russell Gage, especially if Julio does sit. Um, he's the number 23 wide receiver since their week 10 bye. He's had five plus targets during that stretch and a 70% plus snap percentage in every single game. But he is averaging just a meh 56 yards. Last week, he had that 20-something yard passing touchdown. Don't bank on another passing touchdown coming their way. But I just want to say, when you have these gadget players or these gadget plays for regular players, I always take that as a sign of confidence the team has in that individual. They're designing something very specific for this guy in mind. They're breaking it out at a pivotal moment in the game when they think they can really capitalize on an opportunity. You don't put that type of opportunity on the shoulders of somebody you're not confident in. I, I think that Atlanta really likes Russell Gage. Um, I would temper expectations, though, with him moving forward. But I think he's an all right start this week if Julio Jones is out, Travis. Julio Jones is out. Johnny, what do we feel about Matt Ryan? So Matt Ryan, I'm I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I'm not playing Matt Ryan if Julio Jones is not playing. I understand the matchup is nice. Tampa Bay giving up the seven most points to opposing quarterbacks. I do think that Matt Ryan will be able to move the ball on this defense. Uh, we saw Kirk Cousins do it last week. But I do think without Julio Jones, you see the major effect in the red zone. I do think, and then I'm going to bring it up again, when Julio Jones is in the lineup, Matt Ryan is completing 71% of his attempts. He's got 14 touchdowns to just five interceptions. Without Julio in the lineup, he's got 57% completion percentage, and he's got only four touchdowns to six interceptions. So I would be benching Matt Ryan uh, in this game. I think that's the right call, and I think you can extend that benching to the running backs as well, uh, specifically Todd Gurley. Uh, three straight games with eight or fewer carries, has not broken 65 rushing yards since week five, has no touchdown since their, before their bye week. Um, and then you just look at this matchup. It's god-awful. No team has allowed fewer rushing yards or yards per game than Tampa Bay. They have given up the fourth fewest points per game to uh, enemy running backs with 14.7. Uh, you don't start good running backs against Tampa Bay, and Todd Gurley is not a good running back right now, so I would not be starting him or any combination of Brian Hill, Edo Smith, anything like that. We'll end the show on Hayden Hurst. Johnny, any case you can make for Hayden Hurst this week against Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay, another good matchup for tight ends, top 10 in points allowed to the tight end position. However, Hayden Hurst, he's been held under 10 receiving yards in three of his past four outings. 
Hurst has gone seven straight contests without finding the end zone. We say it time and time again on the show, boys. We don't like our touchdown-dependent tight ends, but most of them are. And so if they, uh, if it's not a great matchup and he's not on a hot shrink, I'm sitting him. So I'd sit Hayden Hurst. So facto, we don't Connect like tight ends. Connect the dots, so, dude. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the connected dots for this week. We are ending the show here. We will pick it back up tomorrow with some more action for you. For Johnny Game Time X, for Austin Sierra, I am Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. 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 Good luck in those matchups, Whisper Nation. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.